You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to I'm Firstly, can I just say I'm amazed that I'm back, because most people don't ask me to come a second time. So it's just, I'm, I'm totally out of my comfort zone here. I don't know what I'm doing because I have to speak here for a second time. But it's wonderful to have you uh, here this morning and so good to join you. Uh, as Josh said, my name's John and uh, with my wife, Abby, and an incredible team, we lead uh, River City Church, which is over in the east of Hull. And we've led that church now for just over six years, uh, having started it with a small team uh, that left Jubilee Church in the city centre to go and plant that church. So uh, it's just wonderful uh, that we're still here, <laughs> that, it, that, uh, that the church is still there, that uh, God has done some incredible things uh, in our lives and in our church as we have stepped out in obedience to him and trusted him with our lives and everything that we have. And, uh, and so hopefully I can impart some of that to you this morning. Um, I'm concluding your series looking at the story of Nehemiah uh, called Restore and Rebuild. And uh, I have done my research, so I've watched a few of uh, the preachers in this series just to get to know what God's been saying to you and, and how it's been going. It's been an incredible series talking about God's restoration of the city, the city of Jerusalem that had been broken down and Nehemiah and a group of uh, God's people go and rebuild that city, establish the walls and the temple again and, uh, and God's worship in that place. And uh, Josh did a great job last week of speaking about confession. I'm glad that I didn't get given that as a topic, I have to say, and his story of his daughter and the, the marker pen on the bag just uh, brought so many of those personal parenting memories to mind for me of times when I'd blamed my kids for things that I'd actually probably done. But um, it was just really good to hear, and I love that uh, desire in you to uh, offer up all of yourselves to God uh, and not to hide the, uh, the mistakes and the brokenness within you. And, uh, and I think that that's one of the things God wants to speak to you about this morning is, is about bringing your whole self to him uh, in dedication. And so I love that we sang the song about consecration, which is just a very fancy word for basically giving God what he deserves. And uh, I feel like God wants to call you again as a people this morning to do that, to, to offer up all of yourself to him. Because if we obey God when he calls us into obedience, and that's, I think, the primary thing God asks of us as his disciples. You know, Jesus says, you are my disciples, you're my friends, if you do the things that I've taught you. God's looking for a people who are obedient. And if we do that, if we are obedient, when God asks things of us, then God will do incredible things. And I believe that that's his plan for this church, is that you, as an obedient people, step out in obedience to God. He'll do incredible things here. Now, right at the start of this series, in the very first preach, John said that Nehemiah, as a book, has a disappointing ending. I think that's pretty much how you described it. He said it's a letdown at the end. 
So I'm not entirely sure what that means about why you invited me to come and do the last one. <laughs> I don't know if that's to kind of raise it so that it's not as much of a letdown or you just felt like John matches that kind of topic perfectly. <laughs> Let's just go with the, you know, it's not going to be great. Let's get someone else to do it. <laughs> but uh, hopefully tonight, this morning won't be too much of an anticlimax. And uh, I'm very much the warm-up act for Abby, who's going to speak this evening. So if this morning is a bit of a letdown, please do come back tonight, because (laughs) Abby will knock it out of the park. But this morning, we're going to look at, uh, we're going to cover the last few chapters in Nehemiah. I'm not going to read all of them, because it's an incredibly long part of Scripture. So I've just selected a few highlights, and I'll explain what happens in the bit in between. But we're going to read from Nehemiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 2, and then jump to chapter 12. And this is after the walls have been rebuilt and, uh, and the people are gathered in to, uh, to begin their new life in the city of God. So here we go, Nehemiah 11, 1 to 2 says this. Now the leaders of the people settled in Jerusalem... The rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of every ten of them to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while the remaining nine were to stay in their own towns. The people commended all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. What happens after these two verses is basically Nehemiah gives an incredibly long list of all of the people that do that, that move into the city, them and their families. And although I'm not going to read that, I think it's incredibly important that we don't think that that's not the point, that that's unimportant. Because it is really important to note that God considers every single one of us, if we give our lives in service to him, worthy of inclusion in his word. This is God's word. This is God's inspired word to us today and God hundreds of years ago decided these people are worthy of being known by people who live in Hull two and a half thousand years later simply because they willingly moved into moved house into a a different place for me and so it's really important this morning that you know that any small act of obedience to God, no matter how insignificant you may feel it is, to God has real significance. And he knows you. He knows your name. He knows the decisions that you make, even if you don't tell anyone else about them. God knows if you make that choice to say yes to him, and God, I will. Yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll do. And he writes down your name in his book of life. And so never consider yourself insignificant in God's story because he gives you real significance. Anyway, after this long list of names that I'll let you read because I couldn't pronounce half of them, so I wasn't going to embarrass myself. It says this in chapter 12, verses 27, 30 to 31, and 40 to 43. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem... The Levites, this is just the priestly group of people within the Israelites, the Levites were sought out from where they lived 
and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. Then the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially. They purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. So what happens is, Nehemiah gathers all the people, gets the priests together. They do a load of ritual purification stuff. And then he gets two choirs of people and he puts them on the wall. And what happens is they essentially walk around the walls of the city on top of the walls, singing God's praises. It's like a giant worship conga. Right? So they're all kind of walking along, holding each other's hands and singing to God to thank him for all that he'd done in establishing the city. And then when they get to the other side, so they kind of make their way around the walls and gather again at the far side, it says this, the two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I. And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. So this is the culmination of Nehemiah's story. It's the the gathering in of the people to Jerusalem and the establishing of the city of God in that place. The work is finished. The building is done. The rebuilding has been completed. And now it's time to do the real work. And so I've got three points this morning from this passage for you. The first one is this, that once the city was secure, the people were gathered in. The walls are finished. The city is now secure. There's safety for people within. And so the focus shifts to what life will be like within the walls. You see... The city of God, the the church that this uh, story is an image of for us, the work of the church is not done simply by establishing the walls, simply by building something to look at. You know, you have an incredible building here, okay? I I get building envy every time I come, okay? Because you have clean carpet and you have lovely parquet flooring and it is just a beautiful place okay but if you as a church had simply set this all up and then just gone great job done church built building established now now let's just wait let's just enjoy it together then you would not be doing the work of the church Because the church is not the building, is it? The church is not the bricks and the walls and the windows. The church is the people. It's the people gathered within that place. That is the church. And the people of God in this story knew that. That Jerusalem is not Jerusalem. It's not God's city if it's just the walls. And it's just the temple. And it's just the fact that we've reestablished this nice place. It's the people It's the people within it. It's what those people do in it that establishes it as God's city. There are really important jobs to do in this place. As God's people, 
on this earth. And so they had to choose people for the task. And so they go through this process of inviting applications and people volunteer and they move people into the city. People have to leave their homes, leave their communities, leave their towns and come and move into the city of God for the purpose of establishing it. You see, the purpose, I think, of this series for you as whole vineyard, as far as I understand, has been to encourage you to restore and rebuild the places that have become broken down, the places that have been damaged, both in the world, but also within the church. You know, you don't have to look far within the Christian world to see that there's brokenness within the church just as much as there is outside of it. And I believe that you are called as a church to re-establish a place of safety and security, of, of stability and strength as a church, but also to bring that to the wider world, to those around you. That this church is to become a place of restoration for people. I loved that story earlier from the lady uh, from the Lighthouse Project of that vision. That the church is to be a place where the most broken, the most uh, hopeless, the most lost can be restored, can be renewed, can be given life in all its fullness as Jesus promised. And you as a church are to have that influence on the world. To show the world this is how lives can be restored. This is why the Christian rehab is better than the non-Christian rehab. Why? Because we have the presence of God. We have something of God within us that makes it more than anything else. But I think as you as a church hear from God about what he has for you next as you make decisions about how you might establish this place as the city of God in Hull, I think it's going to become clear to you that the things that God has for you are far greater than you can manage as you are right now. That God's plans for you are bigger and greater and more magnificent than you now could achieve with the resources that you have, with the people that you've got. You see, I truly believe that God's plan for Whole Vineyard is not that you remain a single church of a few hundred people with some really good home groups and and incredible compassion ministries like Grow Baby and Debt Advice and your food bank and the King's Table. I don't think that's it for you. That's not the limit of God's ambition for you. He has far greater plans for you, far greater things for you than that. Because God's vision for the church, he says, just as he talked about Jerusalem, is that you should be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You are to be a gathering place for many different people groups. As I prayed about this morning, I believe that this promise was for you as a church, Isaiah 55, 5 says, surely you will summon nations you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. 
I believe that's God's promise for you, that you have not yet seen all that God wants to do in you as a church. He has far greater plans for you, which includes the gathering in of the nations, nations that you don't even comprehend right now. We've seen this as a church. Six, uh, about a year ago, we had very few people from other nationalities other than European within our church family. And in the last year, we've seen a, an incredible influx of Nigerian members come into our church family. And now when we look out in our room, like a quarter of the church is Nigerian. And we're like, whoa, where did this come from? And someone said to me last Sunday, John, we're getting really full. Have we got a plan for like what we're going to do when all the seats are full? And I was like, no, <laughs> I haven't got a clue because I didn't see this coming. None of us as leaders, our desire, our heart, our longing was to be a, a multicultural church that gathered in the nations of the world and represented the diversity of God's family. But we didn't know how we were going to get there and we certainly didn't think it was going to happen like that. And I believe that the same is true for you. God's promise for you is in the coming months and years, people will come into this place that you never believed or, or dreamt would come. They'll come running to you, it says. They, they, they'll come running because they need what you have because God has endowed you with splendor. You've been called to be those who bring the life of God's kingdom into the homes and streets and communities of this city and the surrounding towns and villages. You're called to value and include everyone, to be family to one another, to disciple one another. You're called as God's church to be radically obedient to the word of God. You're to love and lead the poor, the marginalized, the unloved and the forgotten home. You're to bring them into freedom and give them purpose. And I truly believe you are called to establish churches across this nation and the nations of the world with people from the city of Hull. Now to do all of those things, you need more than you have right now. You do not have the resources. You do not have the capacity that you need if you're going to grow and multiply as a church, if you're ever going to get close to what God has called you to do, you need to go out there and bring some more people in. You have to gather in those that God is drawing to you, that God has included in his plans for you. You must go to every tribe and tongue and nation. So that's my first point this morning. Once the city is secure, go and gather the people in. Go and get them, Holvinia. They're not going to come if you don't go get them. But God is preparing them. And they will run to you when you show them the splendor that God has endowed you with. My second point is this, that everything and everyone was dedicated to God. Once the city is full, Nehemiah instructs the priests and the leaders to dedicate every single part of the city. The walls, the buildings, the people, they're all gathered in and they are cleansed and anointed by the priests. They do this strange dance, this worship conga around the walls, singing and worshipping God. 
And there was probably a whole load of washing and splashing with water or if it got really gross, blood. They did that kind of stuff. And I'm not going to do that in the ministry time this morning, don't worry. And there was oil probably liberally strewn around all over things. But this moment returns us to the beginning of the story, to the beginning of Nehemiah's journey. You see, the purpose of his work was this. This story is not about Nehemiah. It's not some sort of vanity project for him. Okay, Nehemiah wasn't there in the court of the king as some sort of aspiring architect who was like, I'm just waiting for my chance. Give me a city to rebuild. You know, this wasn't like a biblical grand designs where he was just like, I've always dreamt of having my own self-built city and I'm just waiting for the opportunity. God, would you give it? Great, Jerusalem. Yes, that's the one. I've got plans. I've already got drawings. I've got all this stuff that I've prepared. Like I've got a mood board. I've done the, the colors. We're going pastels. We're going kind of nice, uh, warm colors maybe with some, some soft furnishings. This, it was never about Nehemiah's aspirations for himself. His own plans. Nehemiah didn't have a plan to go to Jerusalem He didn't want to be some sort of famous leader of people. It isn't even about him feeling like those people needed a home. They already had homes. They had houses. Because we hear here, they move out of those into the city. So they were in their own towns and places. He did all of this. Nehemiah's whole story is based on one thing, that God calls him. God commissions him to restore Israel and the city of Jerusalem as a house of prayer for all nations. Nehemiah's heart is turned. His desires are affected by the fact that God's purposes on the earth were not being fulfilled. And if no one else would go, then he was willing. Because he knew that his life, his story was just part of God's story. It was God's plan, God's purpose that he lived to fulfill. And I think we all, if we're honest, need at times to remind ourselves that as we build and establish the church, we are not building it for ourselves. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And I think, if we're honest, those human masters aren't always other people. Sometimes they're ourselves that we lord over ourselves, that we do things for ourselves rather than for God. You see, as a disciple of Jesus, I'm not here to gain a reputation for myself or for my church. I'm not here to build a big and successful church, whatever that is, to promote myself. Believe me, I was the most reluctant church leader you've 
will ever have met. Abby spent about six months trying to break off this sense in me that I just couldn't do it and I didn't want to do it. And I'd been very clear with God that I wasn't going to do it, and yet he kept telling me I should. I did not want to do what I do now. And it was only out of a place of obedience. I can't deny God has asked. And if he asks, I have to say yes. That I ended up here. And all of us have to, at points, confront within ourselves. Either that sense of inadequacy. God, I can't do it. I'm not good enough to do it. I don't really want to do it. Or that sense of, at last... (laughs) I've been recognized. At last, this is my moment. At last, I can have the platform that I know that I deserve. We're not here to self-promote or to enhance our own reputation. But we're also not here just to live in comfort, to surround ourselves with people like us that we know and love and enjoy being with where we have our routine and our place you know some of those people had to leave behind all that they'd established for themselves to move into Jerusalem it was a sacrifice it's why they're honored for volunteering we're here because God has called us to build his house in this city in this community not to serve our own needs. And so to do that, we have to dedicate all we do to God and his purposes. We have to hold nothing back from him. And so I want to ask you this morning, would you search your heart? Are you doing anything in the church for your own reputation? for your own popularity? Or are you serving just to please others? This is what I did as a young leader in the church, was I loved my leaders so much I'd do anything for them. But the truth was I was doing it for them, not for God. And so when they were critical, when feedback came that wasn't Positive. I was incredibly defensive and I got very hurt when, when my leaders told me that I'd got something wrong or I hadn't done a great job at something. And that was because I was doing it for them. or I wasn't doing it for Jesus. My identity, my purpose wasn't found in him, it was in their approval. And so when they c- criticised me rightly for things I'd done wrong, I found that incredibly hard. God this morning might just want to poke some of you and say come on remember you do this for me not for anyone else where's your heart is it given completely to me you see we can sing songs about consecration we can sing songs about our whole hearts been devoted to God but I know as I sang that song I was like there's bits of my heart that this week haven't been wholly devoted to you God I'm not wholeheartedly committed to you. Parts of my heart have been drawn away from you. And I need them to come back. I need to turn them back to you. Have you dedicated everything within the walls of your life, whatever that is, to Jesus? Nehemiah is a story of a leader 
and a people who make that choice again and again and again to dedicate themselves to God, willing to lay down their reputations, their jobs, their finances, their relationships, their futures, their security to serve God's plan, his purpose. You see, in this world, at this time, there is a war over those things. Being a Christian in the world to speak about submitting your life to God. So many people, when we started River City, were like, why are you moving? Why are you doing that? And the easy thing was to say, because we can buy a bigger house in East Hull, or we can move to a better area, or whatever it was, and try and avoid the answer, which was, we're doing it because God's asked us to. People think that's a crazy thing to say. God speaks to you, you're nuts. (laughs) For a start, there isn't a God, and why would he say anything? to talk about having faith, to stand up for sexual purity or financial generosity, to give away your finance, to be radical in your hospitality, to hold on to an identity that's given to you rather than self-made. That's gonna bring opposition in the world we live in. And if you haven't laid down all of your life before God, and entrusted it fully to him, then when opposition comes to those things, you will be unable to stand. Whatever walls you've built will crumble if they're not dedicated to God. My final point is this, that there was great rejoicing at what God had done. Once the city is populated, the temple is filled, they're ready to receive the offerings of God's people. There is great rejoicing. Everyone is full of joy. We've made it. We've done it. God is here. He is pleased. We are pleased. Everything has worked out. And that joy spreads. It says it spreads throughout the whole land. Many hear the news of what God has done. The singing spreads out across the land. And Philippians 4.4 encourages us, that we too are to be those that rejoice in the Lord always. You see, I'm really excited about what God has in store for you, whole vineyard. I'm really excited about what God is planning to do with you over the next few years. I'm excited about what God's going to do in our church too. Because... I genuinely believe that we are at a moment where we're on the edge of seeing a harvest. We are going to see explosive growth in the church and change. I believe that God is planning to raise up the church again and establish it as the light of the world in this city. That we will see those in this city running to us because they need freedom They need rescue. They need safety. They need peace. They need love. They need what God has given us. I believe that God is moving. We're seeing more and more people coming to us as a church where we've never met them before and yet they come to us and say, I need Jesus. They've never been in church. They've never been interested in church, but God has done stuff through YouTube and all sorts of crazy things where they've come and said, do you know this Jesus that I found on the internet because I need him? I've tried all this other stuff. I've tried these other faiths. I've tried these other beliefs. None of them have what Jesus has. Can you introduce me to that Jesus? Someone literally said when they walked into our church a few months ago. Can you introduce me to that Jesus? 
And God's going to do that more and more and more. He's going to bring in a harvest of the hurting and the broken and the lost and the homeless. I genuinely believe we're on the edge of revival. But that's going to shake us up a bit. That's going to challenge us. Church might not look like this all the time moving forward. You might come in one Sunday and your chair is taken. (laughs) So write your name on it now. Grab a Sharpie. Just carve in it. This is... The, the team that you're a part of, that you let someone else might come in and start leading that team. The, the ministries that you run, that new ones might start. Suddenly there might be a new group of people that need your help and God will call people here to reach out to them. And that will feel uncomfortable. It will feel awkward. It will feel unnatural. But it is something God is doing. And what God is looking for is those that will respond in praise, in rejoicing. When you walk in and you see the person that you don't know sat in your seat and they're there for the first time, does your heart cry out in praise? God, thank you that someone else is here this morning, that a new person has come. Let me go and welcome them. Let me go and love them. Let me go and get them a coffee. Not, excuse me, (laughs) but... uh, I said, <laughs> I'm not saying you're literally going to say that, but I know that all of us at points in our hearts think that. This is my place. This is my home. This is my family. We work really hard as an actual family, a, a physical family, to make sure that our kids understand that there's always room at our dinner table for guests that there's always more room at the table, that this dining table, we've purposefully built a massive dining table in our house. It's like, because we want our kids to know that family isn't just us. There's always room for someone else to come. And as a church, we need to have that attitude too. Come on church, let's be thankful when the table's not big enough to fit everyone around it and we need a bigger one. Because I can't wait for Sundays where our church buildings are so full that the praise and the worship of what God has done spills out into the city. That's the whole purpose, the point of this place, of our place, of the church in this city, is that the praise should be heard throughout the city. That was what happened. The praise went out from Jerusalem. It was never meant to be contained within the walls. God's plan was that this city should be lifted up and the praise from it should go out and affect the whole nation. And that's what I want to see here and what I want to see in my own church is church is so full of the praises of God and the thanksgiving to God at what he's doing amongst us that we all spill out and tell everyone else. That we sing on a Monday, not just on a Sunday. That we praise God in our workplace, not just in our seat on a Sunday morning. But that asks a question of all of us. Will we willingly play our part in establishing God's city? Will we pick up our tools and start building? Will we share and serve and love and give and host and teach and worship 
and share the good news of the gospel in order that God might receive the praise and rejoicing he deserves. I'd like to go into a time of ministry now. And there are just a few people that I feel like God would want to speak to this morning particularly. And so what I'd like you to do is just to stand if you're able with me. And just focus your minds, your hearts on God. To do that you might need to close your eyes just so that you avoid distraction but you don't have to. And one of the things that uh, we like to do, I like to do when I'm leading these times, is just to encourage people just to focus on where God is in the room. God says by his spirit that he is with us when we gather, and so God is here. And not everyone is a visual person, I understand that, but for me it just really helps if I ask, you know, Jesus, where are you in this room? Where are you? And I just become more aware of his presence. Sometimes he stood next to me. Sometimes he stood in front of me. Sometimes he's sat with me. But he always shows me he's there. So just become aware of God's presence here. Jesus is here for you, with you. There's just three groups of people that I feel God wants to speak to you this morning. The first one is, maybe you're here this morning and you're just looking in. You're, you're trying to suss out, you're considering, is this the church for me? Or for my family? Or... And I just feel like God wants to, this morning, commend this church to you. God wants you to know this morning that the vision of this church is bigger than they can achieve by themselves. They need you. They need you to join. They need you to sign up. They need you to bring your family and your friends. They need you to bring your time and your finance, they need you to bring your energy and your passion, they need you to bring your gifts to help establish this church. Not just this church in this building, but the other churches across this region and across the nations that they want to start. I feel particularly if you're from another nation you're not from the UK I believe that God has a plan for you that you might help this church to reach the nations that you might help gather them in this church is not as diverse as God plans for it to be But he also wants to be preparing you to go. That at some point you might be sent 
to a nation, to another town or another city. And so this church wants to prepare you, it wants to help you plan and prepare and be ready for when that call comes, for when that moment happens like it did for Nehemiah, where you're going about your daily life serving God and suddenly a moment comes where you know I've got to go. God wants you to be ready. And so if that's you, just have that conversation with Jesus now. You know, God, yes, I haven't been established or rooted in a church, and this is the one. I want to be obedient, God. If you're calling me here to serve, to contribute, to be part of the life of this family, then I'm here. And just dedicate yourself to that task. The second group of people that God wants to speak to this morning are those who have, the the Holy Spirit has just this morning been showing you, maybe as we sang in worship (laughs) and, and we sang about a undivided heart and you just couldn't sing those words. You just found it, you knew that that it would be hypocritical of you to sing about something that wasn't true. Or as I've spoken this morning, you've thought, actually, yeah, there's this bit of my life that I've not given to to Jesus. I've withheld it, or I'm drawn away from God by it. I believe there are some some secrets here I don't want to expose anyone or bring anything out into the open, but the Spirit does. He says those things that are in darkness need to be brought into the light. And I just believe that there are some of you here who have secrets that cause your heart not to, you can't give yourself fully to God. For some, it's unhelpful behaviors, it's habits, it's addiction. I believe for some as well it's a sense of guilt or shame from the past there's something from your past that you're ashamed of or you feel guilty of and it draws your heart away from God because every time the enemy reminds you of it you feel like you can't come to God you just can't come before him you don't feel worthy you feel condemned And the spirit this morning wants to say there's no condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He wants to set you free from that guilt. He wants to set you free from that shame. He wants to release you from that sense of limitation because of the past. And so right now, all you need to do is you know where Jesus is in the room. He's here. He's shown himself to you. Just imagine that thing in your hands, whatever it is, that secret, that shame, that guilt, whatever it is, just imagine holding it in your hands and giving it to him. That part of your heart that you had withheld, just offer it to him.
and just see what he does. Just see what he does with it. You know, when we give something to God, when we give away something, my experience is that he always replaces it with something better. When we give up the lesser things, when we give to him the things that aren't him, he gives us something of himself that is far better than we, the thing we were holding on to. And so now just receive from him. Just ask him, God, what have you got for me? As I've given this thing up to you, what have you got for me? Because I believe he's got some really, really wonderful things to give you this morning. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.